We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. This morning, I, I, I changed the sermon title, I think, about, I don't know, four times. Well, this was the final sermon title, entitled, Watching and Waiting. Watching and Waiting. Now, I think many times when, when people see that and they, they, they read Watching and Waiting, maybe they're thinking about the second coming of Christ. And it's an important time. But... That's not really where I'm going this morning. I think that uh, because this sermon was kind of birthed out of my quiet time, um, that I want you to be prepared this morning as Christians. It, this is really the message is for, for believers, but yet unbelievers as well. I think some of the greatest sermons are those, the ones that are that are developed out of our time and our daily devotion with God. That's why we encourage each of you to have that daily devotional time with God. And so I, I think it's, um, it's important for us to, to have that, to, to invest in other Christians and to live out our life through the overflow of our relationship with the Lord in, in our quiet time. I know in our Thursday night community group in Ridgeland, what a blessing it is to, to come together as, as men and families and to discuss all that God's taught us throughout the week. It's not just something we're doing on Sunday morning when we come. It's something we've lived out all week in our time together. So we pray for one another's needs and things like that. So this is kind of where this has been developed is in my quiet time with the Lord. I've read Mark many times before. I've even preached this passage in chapter 4 several times. Um, Mark 4 could even be considered one of the most popular parables that we have within the te uh, text of Scripture. But as I looked and read this verse of Scripture this week in my quiet time, God just kind of opened my eyes to seeing it in a different way than I've never seen it before. I never considered the ideas in which I found as I was reading it this week. I'm a firm believer that there's nothing new under the sun. I don't want you to think that I'm going to impart some new revelation from this passage of Scripture. I don't want to take it out of context, um, because the old saying is, if it's new, it's probably not true. Um, but hang in with me as we look through this today, because I think where we're going will be a, a great nugget for the Christians to hold tightly to and understand, and as we watch and wait for these things to occur. And if I am honest, you know, I try to be as your pastor, someone who lives this out in my daily life and my daily devotion. I don't think anyone in this room this morning would ever say that uh, they've enjoyed something being stolen from them. How many of you this morning have had something stolen from you? Yeah, you see that? It happens often, doesn't it? Okay? So things get stolen from us. I don't think anybody would, would like that. Therefore, I've entitled this message, uh, Watching and Waiting, or, or, or in my notes I have, Staying on the Lookout, Being Prepared. In the Old Testament, we had men who were called watchmen. They would look out, they would watch. A watchman's a person that's stationed on the highest part of the city wall. 
And their job is to warn the inhabitants of the people, the people living in the city, of any enemy or, or any raw messenger that would come as they kept watch over the city, and the pastures and the vineyards and the sheep. The Old Testament prophets, these were considered watchmen, warning the people of Israel of, 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 of the coming judgment of God if they did not change the way they lived their lives. As we considered last week in Jeremiah 22. I would like for you this morning to consider this message as coming from a watchman. As your pastor, I want to shepherd you and to love you and to care for you and to warn you of the things that are taking place out there today. So take this as as a message from the watchman, mainly your pastor, as we talk about this passage. You see, snuggled in the passage of Scripture we learn really this morning of the greatest thief of all, the greatest robber of all, the greatest one who wants to to take that which has been imparted to you. Now in our culture, we, we really play him lightly, the devil, and others want to put him under every rock, in the life in which they live. You know, the devil made me smoke the cigarette. The devil made me speed. The devil made me sick. I got a cold, therefore the devil is fighting against me. The devil is not under every rock. He's, it's impossible he can't be under every rock because he's not the same as God. So, does that mean we don't need to pay attention to what the devil's at work at? No, we need to be on watch. We need to stay watching and waiting and looking. So while Satan may be the ruler of this world, he is not like God. He's not omnipresent. Do you know that? The devil is not omnipresent. Does that take a lot of credit away from him right off the bat? That means if the devil is at another church this morning, he can't be in our church. Omnipresent means that you're everywhere At one time, God is everywhere. God is here, God is there, God is with you wherever you are. But the devil's not. We can try to escape God, but we can't. But the devil, on the other hand, while he has great power, we don't want to take that from him, because he is the ruler of this world in which we live. He is not all the places at time, but he has a great workforce. He's got his little buddies, his little demons. And while we should not give him more credit than what is due to the enemy, the devil or Satan, I want you to know, is called the father of lies. He is called the deceiver. In Revelation 12, 9. He's called the evil one in John 17, 15. He's called a liar in John 8, 41. He is called the thief. In John 10.10. And whoever tries to get into the sheepfold any other way than the gate is considered a thief and a robber. And I want you to know this morning the devil is real and he has one desire and that is to, to come in to kill, to steal, and destroy. 
He lurks as a prowling lion, looking for the opportunity to, to take away from you, to steal from you and your family that which has been given to you. And so we have to be prepared as Christians to watch and to wait, to be on the lookout as a watchman. But on the other hand, we have God. He comes to protect, to give life, and life abundantly. He doesn't come to kill, steal, and destroy. God says in His very Word to instruct, to protect, and to warn those in the body of Christ. And that's what this message is going to be about this morning. So God gives us His Word. And here in in Mark chapter 4, I found some interesting warnings. This parable has become like your watchman for today. So we need to hear what the Lord has to say, but more so, heed, as we talked about last week, heed what He's saying. Not simply be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. Have you ever considered that one of the things we find in this parable when talking about the seed, is that it deals also with good instruction that might be given. For an example, this week I had an opportunity to meet with a a couple, a husband and wife, and they're going through some difficult times in their marriage, and we were able to sit down and and have some dinner together, and, and we imparted information. We imparted God's Word to them. We encouraged them, and we counseled them. And those words that came across were good. And and you could tell they were received with with joy, with happiness. And so as we're going to read this in just a second, the seed is the Word of God. We need to consider that that while, yes, most of the time this, this passage we read, we deal with salvation, right? That's the context of it. Because, rightly so, because I believe as we read that before and after, we understand that this passage is mainly dealing with, with salvation. But, but don't, let us not miss that there's some great nuggets of truth hidden in there that are, that are everlasting truths that we can as Christians hold on to and apply to our lives and be protected. Some may argue that uh, parables only have one meaning. I've been taught that parables only have one meaning, and I've been taught that, well, as many characters that are in the parable, they can, they can have be that many meanings in it. Whatever your understanding of your discernment of Scripture, I want you to understand that, that uh, I believe there can be a few different meanings in a parable. So if you will, let's turn to the book of Mark together. Chapter 4. And let us begin with reading verse 1. He says here in verse 1, Mark chapter 4, He began teaching, again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to Him that He got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the, the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. You know, as we've studied over the last several weeks, uh, Jesus taught a lot from the boat. Uh, he had to get out so because there was crowds of people. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And he was saying to them, 
in his teachings, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. You know what a sower is? Someone who plants. So if I'm planting corn, I'm going to be the sower as I'm putting seed out. Okay? So the sower goes out as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate it up. The other seed fell on rocky soil. Ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen it was scorched. Because it had no root. And it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew and choked it. And it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as it grew, it increased, and they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he was alone, his followers along with the twelve, began asking him about the parable. And he was saying to them, To you it's been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may not hear and, and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not... Understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower is going to give us the instruction now. He says the sower sows the word. The sower and the seed, the seed is the word of God. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes. He takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones whom seen was sown on rocky places, who when they had heard, immediately received it with joy. They had no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction and persecutions arise because of the word, immediately they they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed has sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word, but when the worries of this world, the deceitful riches, the desire for things, enter in and choke the word, becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones whom seed was sown on good soil. And they... They hear the word, they accept it, and bear fruit thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. Now, while I want to address this passage in kindly a different way than I normally would, I want to try my best to communicate to you that which I felt God was speaking to my heart that morning. Now don't misunderstand me. There's nothing in my words that are divine. 
But would you not agree that when we give counsel, biblical advice, when you or I tell someone advice and we counsel them, that our words should be the very words of God. I can give you all kind of helpful um, information. I can give you all of some philosophical ideas, some philosophical reasons, Dr. Phil mentality, but that is not what changes us. The Word of God is what changes us. And so we need to make sure that what we hear comes from the Word of God. Our advice, our admonishment, our instructions should all stem from the Word of God. Because it's what really changes the lives of people. Remember what he said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctification is a process in which you and I are changed to be more like Christ. If we want to be more like Christ, it's the word of God that is indwelt in us that begins to change us. And so when we give advice, when you get advice, I hope that you get biblical advice. If you have difficulties in the home, in the marriage, and you need counseling, don't go to some secular counselor. Go to a Christian counselor where you can get biblical advice. If you need family counsel on how to raise your children, don't go to the secular universities for advice. Go to the Christian for advice so they can give you biblical counsel. So in order for us to be able to, to give this biblical advice, that we must... Also make sure that you and I are hiding the Word of God in our lives. Because there are going to be people, whether in your family or in your workplace or in your church, that are going to need your counsel. And you can give them two things. You can give them the world's way or the Word's way. If we don't have the Word, we can't give them what we don't have. It's important to memorize Scripture, to heed the teaching of God's Word in our hearts. I was reminded as I read Mark chapter 4 that the word that we give is sown to brothers and sisters. The seed, this, is casted to brothers and sisters. Not necessarily always words which lead to salvation. Would you not agree? Let's think about this. Don't raise your hand. But in the back of your mind, when is the last time you've shared the gospel from beginning to end? Okay? Statistically, it don't happen very often. So, if this passage is simply talking about leading people to Jesus Christ, then we're probably never going to sow the word very often. But, would you not agree? How many of you have given counsel to someone in the last Two years of your life. Probably a whole lot more than we have shared the gospel with people. You see where I'm going? This passage is just talking about the seed falling on the soil. The seed is what, what God has hid in our hearts. The word of God. The word in which we impart to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, when it says the seed is cast, scattered. The word is not necessarily all that which we are sharing the gospel. But it could be encouragement to the brother or sister. That husband and wife that sat across the table for me and my wife, we gave them godly counsel. And we gave them the seed. And that seed fell on the soil of their life. 
And I believe that we can deal with both godly guidance as we give the seed and the gospel message as well. It includes both. We don't want to ever discredit the gospel message. We should be given the gospel message more often than, than not. But most of the time when we are dealing with brothers and sisters, we're giving counsel. Older men are counseling younger men. Older women are counseling younger women. We're, we're, we're admonishing one another. We're giving one another advice. I meet every Thursday with a group of pastors. And this week, they imparted to me the seed. It fell on soil. It gave me biblical counsel. It's important to understand that what happens once that seed is given. So when your brother encourages you, when your brother gives you a scripture, when your sister gives you a scripture, and that seed falls, the question is, what do we do? What does that soil do? And how does that affect our lives? Because remember, the topic is what? To watch and wait. Why? Because I want you to know this morning when the seed is imparted, the devil and his little buddies are going to begin the process of getting to work. They're going to begin the process of getting to work. He says, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell on the roadside. And the birds came and ate it up. He wants us to understand that the bird represents Satan. We were just reminded that the enemy, with all of his might, will try to snatch the truth which has been imparted to you by the teacher, the student, or your friend. And we must, as Christians, stay on the lookout for that. Mark 4, 1-20 speaks of a few ways that Satan can do this very thing. Where he can come and accomplish that what is he at best at. And that is stealing. So how is it that Satan can come and steal that which has been imparted to you away? You know, when we know the strategy which is the offense is what they're playing. And we can, we can really jam up the defense, or vice versa. When we, the defense, know what the offensive play is, we can jam up the offense. Many of us are going to watch the Super Bowl tonight, right? I think the Super Bowl's tonight, Super Bowl Sunday, right? So it's, we're going to watch some football tonight. And if that offense gives that defense any inclination that they're running the ball to the right, the defense is, whoop, they're going to shift right over there, and boom. So those guys are watching what's happening. They're prepared. They're, they're paying attention to what's happening. Well, I want you to understand this morning. Listen, when you've been given instruction, when you've been given the Word of God, I want you to begin to play defense because I want you to know that, this, that the devil is going to begin to play offense. And we need to be prepared of where he's going to attack, what he's going to do, because he's going to try to rip that which is away from you. He's going to try to take away. We have to be on the lookout at all times. Because the devil wants to come and to kill and steal and destroy. 
So the first way that we're going to look at as we look at Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, the first way that Satan comes, and he can come in and kill, steal, and destroy that seed which has been imparted, is us not to plant the seed that's been given. So, this week when we gave counsel, we gave the Word of God, it fell on the soil. The next morning I woke up, I was in my quiet time, and, I, and, and, and it was just like God was telling me through His Word that, that they needed to hear this. Because the enemy was going to be at work to take away that which has been imparted to them. So this is where the sermon came from. I filled out my, my, my text message and I said, Brother, I want you to know all these things and, and, and I want you to be prepared because that which took place last night was good and, and you got some good counsel. You got God's Word given to you. But I want you to know four different, three different ways really that, that Satan's going to try to attack you and take that which has been imparted to you. And the first way is for us not to plant what's been given to us. The seed which had no time to lay root remains on the roadside. Remember? And the passage concludes in verse 15 that Satan comes to take it away. We see the thief in action. It is just sitting there in our minds ready to be taken away so easily. I, I can't help but feel the guilt here myself. How many times has someone given us biblical counsel and, and it just sits there and we really don't think about it? You know, as I study more and more in my time with the Lord in the mornings, I have now become in the process of writing that stuff down and really, uh, really trying to communicate what it is that He's wanting to talk to me. And so I begin to write my thoughts down. And that's very helpful because I want that seed that's been imparted to me to really and truly be implanted to where it has the opportunity to grow before the thief comes and begins the process of trying to take it away. So what can we do when we are getting godly advice? One thing we can do is write down what we're given. That's what I instructed this young man. I said, that which we talked about last night, man, please... Just write it down. Write it down what God's communicated to you. Because once it's written down, we can go back to it. But if we just let it sit there and simmer in our minds and then work gets busy, you start getting emails first thing in the morning and your phone starts ringing and people start wanting business and you got to go bid a job or you got to go do this or that. And next thing you know, you you have no idea what was talked about. But if we write it down, we can always go back to it again and again and again. That's one way we can protect against the seed being taken away. The second way that Satan will come and and attack the seed that's been given, the word that has been cast by the sower, by you giving advice to a brother or sister, or a brother or sister giving advice to you, is to allow tribulations and persecution to distract you from that which God has given you. You see, as Christians in our culture, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. What a great message. And if you're not part of the Sunday school, man, there's so... Uh, we even said maybe we ought to just, just play the video for, 
for church because we want people to see what kind of lessons are being taught in Sunday school. And they taught about this very thing. They talked about persecution for the Christians and, and they read all of these different quotes from these martyrs who, who stood against the Roman Empire and they were killed and persecuted for their faith. But in our culture, we don't, we don't endure persecution as Christians. Most Christians don't. Because it's not in our culture. It's anti-cultural in the culture we live. But he says here that, that when the enemy comes in, he's going, to take that, he's going to try to attack that seed that's been planted by tribulations and persecution. So it may be tribulations in your life. Financial difficulties. Problems with children. Problems in our marriage. Problems in the workplace. You name it, wherever God's communicating to you that your key central place of tribulation is, that's where he's going to begin the process of distracting and taking away. So we need to write them down. Be ready for hard times as well, because if you are not prepared, well, it will cause you to fall away like so many in our day that have been given great instruction. As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people and, and that gospel message falls and people, man, they get so excited about it. How many of you have, have ever known anybody that have heard the gospel, they've received it with joy, they come and they serve faithfully for a few weeks and the next thing you know they're gone, never to be seen again. Why? Because they allowed the enemy to come take away what had been imparted to them. They had partaken of it. They may even have tasted of it, but they never fully ingested it. And the enemy came in and swiped it away. We need to make sure that we're prepared. I would never stand here and tell you once you believe and trust in Jesus Christ that, oh, it's going to get, life's going to get easy. No, that's not what the Bible says. It's going to get more difficult. Because as long as we're parallel and we're walking beside Satan, we're not really causing him that much problem. But when we step away from them and we say, you know what, be gone, then we become a problem and, and then we become, see the attacks. So many times when I lead someone to Christ from beginning to end, they pray to receive Christ and say, I want you to understand one thing. The seed which has been imparted to you today, be ready because tribulations are coming. Difficulties are coming. So don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Know that when the difficulties of life come, that that's when God really begins to show up and work in our lives and begins to mold us and grow us and make us more into the image of His Son. So many fall away. It doesn't matter how great the instruction are which you receive. What matters the most is what you do with it. And that's what I'm telling you. We need to watch and wait. Because when we receive the truth of God's word, the enemy is going to come. He's going to try to take it away. And we need to be prepared. Remember Stephen? Stoned to death. Paul was stoned, left for dead. Gets back up, goes back into the town. We learned that in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. If we don't prepare for hard things to fall into our laps, we will lose the battle which the Word has given us. So beware and prepare that things will get harder before they will get better. 
And so be prepared for it. Scripture says, endure for the sake of Christ. John 16.33 says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, what's it say? You will have tribulation. Not you might or you may, it says you will. As the believer and follower of Christ, listen, don't bind to what the culture says. Don't bind to the self-help model, the get which quick scheme. The reality is, is there will be tribulation. So how are we going to deal with it? He says this, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You will have is an absolute. Hide the words of encouragement, instruction, and admonishment into your hearts, and don't allow the hard times to drive you back into the old you. Because typically that's what happens. We want to go back to the old us. we got a brand new car. Those who are in Christ are new creation in Christ. I've been given a Porsche. And sometimes I just want to go back and get in the old Ford, ride it around for a little while, instead of just staying in the brand new car that God has given me. So We've got to be careful. Allow the words to sink deep in the soul of our lives. Because the one whom on seed was sown on the rocky places, whom when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy. But listen, they have no firm root in themselves, but only temporary. When the afflictions or persecutions arise because of the word, immediately they fall away. Notice what caused the tribulation and the persecution. What was it? The Word. The Word of God. You see, if we don't ever go out and and say anything to the culture about Jesus Christ, we will never be persecuted. I think I'm going to write a book that calls the Unpersecuted Church. Because if we're not receiving persecution, then we're not doing our jobs as Christians. I'm not saying go out and beat people over the head with the Bible and and, and do it in an unloving way. But listen, they hung Jesus on the cross. If they hung Jesus on the cross, we will be persecuted for the word. All of the disciples, most of them were were martyred for their faith. Why can we think we're any different? The world, I I saw something on Facebook the other day. It says, the truth seems like hate when you hate the truth. You see? Much of what we give from God's Word seems like hate, but it's the truth. I had a friend who was debating with me that, well, all pastors just seem to be judgmental. And, and, you know, I've been witnessing to this guy for six years. And I said, I've never lashed out against you. Matter of fact, I remember that I was the guy there when your father passed away, showing you love and compassion and mercy and giving you hope. Through God's word. You see. Truth. Seems like hate. When we hate the truth. And the truth will always cause persecution. In the life of the Christian. Because the Bible says. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many are those who find it. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And few are those. There's more going down than there's going up. So when we tell people about the truth, we should expect more persecution than we do salvations coming about into the kingdom of God. See, in our culture, what we want to do is we want to worry about numbers in the, in the pulpit, right? 
or the, the, the pews. We want, to, we want to worry about getting numbers, and we want to grow this way, but we don't want to grow this way. See, my, my objective, my hope, is that everybody sitting in here, whether it's five, ten feet, me, my family, eight of us, 20 of us, what I want to see is this. I don't care about this. What I want to see is this. I want to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ more than ever. Because when you grow in, listen, when you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, when you get on fire for the Lord, this will automatically take place. But as long as I'm the only one sharing the gospel, reaching people, discipling them, we'll never go this way. But if I can take the men and the women and even the children who God has placed under the leadership of Grace Bible Church, and I can invest in them and disciple them, then you can be a part of that process in which causes the church to grow. And that's what's so exciting about a, even a small congregation of people. Because I know every single one of you. And you come to my house and you eat dinner and we fellowship together. And I know your struggles and you know my struggles. And we pray for each other and we disciple one another. We don't want to just be a mega church. We could have a mega church. I could go hire a worship team, pay them, right? I could go pay them, and I could give you a feel-good Joel Osteen message and everything, and we'd grow like that. We'd, we'd, we'd have to go to three services. Next thing you know, we'd be going buying a building and growing that way. But listen, that's all. That's good. I'd love to see us grow in that capacity, but I'd rather see us grow this way first because the deeper we grow, the stronger the tree is. We can grow this way, but in Montana, when I served there for two years, trees just fall over in the middle of nowhere. Why? Because they had no root. We need to make sure that we have been given the word and that we grow and that when it's imparted, we begin to protect that which we've been given. These men fell away because the word which had been imparted did not take root. Listen to this passage in 2 Timothy 2.3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Remember that passage, Tony, from Chick-fil-A when we had our devotional time with these young men? We talked about this. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. A good soldier suffers for his master, for his leader. Let the world walk away. Let the world live in a false peace and sense of security. Let the temporal things of, of life walk by. Just let them go. Just let it go. But you, listen to what this passage says, but you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. 2 Timothy 4, 5. That, the beginning of that passage tells us, let's see if I can remember it, it tells us there will come a time when people will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, wanting to have their ears tickled. You see, that's the sign of the end times. And what, they, what this passage is telling us, no, you endure hardship. You endure. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The third thing that Satan can do to remove that word from you is to fill you with the temporary things of life. Does everybody in here like things as much as I like things? Okay, I, I like things, okay? 
I really do like things. We all kind of like chasing the American dream. But we are easily distracted by the cares of this life. And they can wrap us so much that we forget our purpose. The things of this world, possessions, goods, our goals, our accomplishments, all of these are things which Satan can use to rip away that which has been imparted to us. You see, if he can't come in and and rip the soil out, right, what will he do? He'll throw a bunch of weeds in with it, and it'll choke out what's there. You may have the greatest business in the world. I've got some some friends of mine who, who are in the business world, and they're doing wonderful. They, they may have the nicest car on the, the face of the planet. You could have a home that's the most flamboyant home on the market. You could have the biggest church in America. You could be a part of the biggest church in America. We could have the greatest ministry around the world. We could have the perfect family the healthiest kid, the most secure relationship on the planet Earth. But listen, listen. Unless the word which was laid from that dear friend, brother, scripture, whoever it is imparting that wisdom to you, remains, all that other stuff is meaningless. You can't take it with you. All of that temporary stuff. So we need to be prepared to focus on the right things in life. There's nothing wrong with having nice cars. I, I'm not that guy, okay, that says, you know, you need to sell your possessions and give to the poor. Yeah, that's true and partly. But there's nothing wrong. God blesses people in different ways. Would you not agree? I mean, if, if everybody was blessed in my same sense, them missionaries would be struggling. Okay? Some people are blessed in different ways, but with the blessing comes greater responsibility to those who move with the little God and trust is more. Okay? So we just need to make sure that we're prepared to focus on the right things of life. All other things are what? Perishing. They're dying. They will not stand the test of fire. While we look not on the things that that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are what? Temporary. But the things that are unseen, those things are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18. That was probably the Stuart Guthrie phrase. I don't know. I didn't probably quote it exactly like it said there. My point is, is we need to make sure that our focus is on what matters most. Because the devil can utilize the things of this world to distract us and to choke us out. That is what we need to focus on. Things that are unseen. Listen to the word of the Lord and not let the fleeting things of this life consume us. Because these are the ones to whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word when the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches 
and the desires for other things entered in, choked out the Word of God. Whether it be the Word of salvation, the Gospel, or whether it be the Word of encouragement for that brother or sister to move and to live in a life in a rightly godly manner. You and I, as Christians, should desire above all to be fruit bearers. Because that which is changed by God bears fruit. That tree, that man, that person that does not bear fruit, what does the Bible say? It gives some graphic imagery. It says it will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Yesterday we were doing some work at Mr. Ed's house, and Mr. Ed, that sounds funny. Thinking of the horse, you know, Mr. Ed. <laughs> Anyways, doing some work at his house, and, and we walked around the corner, and he says, you know, Pastor, what, I got a plant here. Can you do anything with that? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> it's kind of funny because it kind of goes with it. I, I, so I laid my hands on it, and I said, uh, no, it's not going to bear fruit, so it needs to be cut down and thrown into the fire. The point is, is that's what the Bible says happens to those who bear no fruit. Because listen, when we have an encounter with God, when we, not just the culture encounter with God where, where men and women walk forward and pray a prayer, but when men and women come and they are regenerated in their heart, when they accept Jesus Christ and they accept Christ by faith that, that He died, that it's His work, that, that when that happens, God says it changes us. When we put our faith in that, it changes us. And we can't help but bear fruit. We can't help but bear fruit. James says what? Test your faith. You know, as a, as a young Christian, I had to ask myself, am I bearing fruit? And it got very personal for me. Am I bearing fruit? question is this morning, what is it that you're producing? Because if I wasn't producing anything as a Christian, I would begin to worry about had I truly experienced the transformation of God. I use this illustration many times. If I were to come in here late and my shirt was unbuckled and I was like this, you know, and I said, I'm sorry I'm late. I had, I had an accident. I, I got a tire was flat on my truck and I got out to change the flyer and the semi-truck came by, wham, ran me slap over, carried me 150 yards down the road. I got back up, dusted myself off and came back, fixed the tire. And now I'm here, you'd say, you're crazy, you're a liar, you're not telling the truth. Why? Because the fact is, if I had an encounter with a semi-truck, there would be change in my life. Well, listen, if you truly have an encounter with the creator of the universe, almighty God, then listen. He will be changed. It's just part of it. It's what God does. Now, those who may be sitting there in their minds going, well, I don't see much change. I'm not here to discourage you. I want to encourage you. If that's you, then you have something to pray about. God, stretch me. Mold me. Allow me to bear fruit. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God will begin the process of molding you and making you more and more into the image of His Son. You can see this morning, I'm not here to be a fruit inspector. I don't get paid to be a fruit inspector. Because when I plant plants, not all of them grows the same height at the same time. 
some plants is way up here, and at the same time I planted the other one's down here, and the one next to it's up here, and, and everybody's different. And we need to embrace one another. And those who are up here, guess what? It's time to stop with the, with the baby things of Christianity, the milk, get on the meat, so that you can begin to invest in those who are here, here, and here. And those who are here, invest in those. And those who are here, invest in those. And it's an encouraging process, a process of discipleship. We have to be prepared. The enemy wants to take all that away from us. The thief, the enemy, produces, listen, he produces immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousal. Listen to what the passage says. All these things, like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I read a passage of Scripture and it tells me those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, my ears perk up. You know why? Because I don't really hit all these right. I don't hit all these right all the time. Because I got issues just like I, you got issues. And when that man pulls out in front of me, swerves over, tries to take me out, first thing I want to do is, hey! I had a fit of anger last night with a dog in my yard. We had some over for dinner last night. They were there. The dog tried to attack me in my own yard. And I hollered at the dog. The reality is, is we all are capable of producing those things like immorality and impurity and sensuality and fits of rage. We have to be careful to watch, to wait, because it's coming. It's coming. The fourth and final soil that takes place, which the Word falls on, is the soil that you and I should desire to be this morning. It's the soil that I want to be. It's the soil, if you don't know, you want to be. Okay? So I'm telling you, this is the soil that you want to be. The good soil is what's needed. It's needed to be cleaned out and weeded and fertilized. How many of you have ever planted a garden? Is it not a lot of work? Okay? How many of you planted, maybe you haven't planted a garden, but planted plants? Okay, so the, the same process is that if the soil's not prepared right, you're going to get a bunch of junk flying up, and it's a constant problem of having to weed and cut. And, and, and in Montana, it's really difficult. But we need to be the good soil. It's being fertilized by what? The Word of God. So when that soil, that seed's cast, the Word of God comes into our lives, we need to take those things out and allow that seed that's been implanted to take root. We need to allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts so that it's not just informational, but transformational. This soil is not a soil that the seed simply lays on the top. Of the surface, it's a soil that's uh, 
It's not affected by the floods of life, the droughts, the trials of life, because it's a seed that, it's a soil that's taken the seed and implanted it deep in its system. It's not a soil that when hard times come and the things of persecution, maybe a deer's coming over and eating. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with an illustration. The fact is, the good soil is the soil that is not distracted by the things of life, but strives with purpose to give the seed all the attention it needs to grow. I want to be a good soil. And you know what? I need you to help me make sure my soil is ready for the seed. And you need one another to make sure the soil is ready for need, for the seed. Because this man, this woman, and even this child can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. This soil, this man, this woman, this child is the one that produces fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the ones whom Scripture points to belonging to God, to Christ Jesus and have been crucified to the flesh with its passions and its desires. The enemy, listen, desires to steal your seed. So when that brother or sister gives you some biblical counsel, or when you give somebody some biblical counsel, you now know how to make sure that that seed's implanted and you can encourage them as well in how to make sure that the, the devil doesn't come and steal that seed away from them. I don't know about you, but many times in my life I've been robbed. And I don't want to be robbed anymore. I don't want to be robbed of love. I don't want to be robbed of joy peace, of patience, and kindness, and self-control. Because the devil prowls like a roaring lion, seeking to devour and to remove anything that would produce the fruits of the Spirit. Let's stop today allowing Satan to take away the seed which has been implanted. Let's pray.